Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Now, from BetQL, it's time for the Daily Tip with Michael Jenkins. Daily Tip, and let's be honest, I go for ambition, not luck. And Chelsea Messenger. Don't kill the messenger, or the messenger will kill you. Hey, Dad, don't forget about me, the dunkster. Presented by BetMGM. Top of the hour here on The Daily Tip. We have a jam-packed hour of content headed your way if you stick with us. In this segment, we will look at the NBA tonight, including a big matchup between possibly Joel Embiid backing down Draymond Green as the Sixers taking on the Warriors in the Bay Area. Then at 720, it's on to Super Bowl futures. It's that time of year uh, where we are looking at some of the futures bets and saying, okay, which of these do we need to be betting now and which are we betting later? Then at 740, on to what's next for Bill Belichick. Will we see... Old Bill Belichick on our TV screens anytime soon. We will examine the future of somebody who is on to the next gig. Uh, but first, Jenks, I had to literally mm-hmm. look this up. And I work in okay. sports. So, you know, take that with a grain of salt. I okay. did not know if there was an actual Pro Bowl game this year. I was like, okay. So I know the mm-hmm. Pro Bowl is not really a thing as much anymore. Is there even a game? Is it just that weird competition with like the skills tests? And I was right. There is no Pro Bowl game this year. Did you know that? I, it's crazy how it's gone the way of the typewriter. <laughs> Good. The Pro Bowl was terrible because nobody played in it. Who was the guy last year? God bless him from the Ravens, the Ravens backup who made the Pro Bowl. I forget who, Tyler Huntley. And had like two touchdowns and three picks on this season. So I think it's great to give someone the honor if they've earned it. But at some point, because no one wanted to play and no one wanted to risk injury, guys were just dropping out. So they just insert anyone in there and say, yeah, I'm a pro bowler. So the actual pro bowl designation started to become less and less meaningful. So I think they're doing this the right way, which is a skills competition to me is a lot more interesting. And I think we're seeing now we'll get a lot more participation as opposed to a bunch of guys who have no interest in actually hitting someone else at the end of the season and then tearing a knee or tearing some sort of Achilles in a game that means nothing. Right. And I think this is a more fun spin on it too. 
Like, I think mm-hmm. the players actually enjoy this. And it feels like there's probably less pressure unless maybe you're a quarterback. Because I do remember the one instance where, do you remember where Lamar Jackson was participating in, like, one of the skills competitions as a quarterback? Mm-hmm. And there was, like, a position player that came in there and, like, hit more targets than him. I think that's <laughs> when you say, okay, I cannot improve my stock by being in this game. I'm not going to do it. It's true. That's very true. And also, you know, there is something to be said for some players, regardless of position, who just are better when the lights come on. You hear that sometimes. Like, he's an okay practice player. There's something about when he's in an actual competition that is meaningful mm-hmm. against another team on the gridiron. He's just a different player. Some guys, that's why superstars respond in the big moments, because in that moment, they're just locked in but even if you're not a superstar there are some players like that they're just better during the actual games and they just hit a switch that they normally can't find when they're not right there on a Sunday well isn't this the the discussion when it comes to the NFL combine because wasn't Tim Tebow like the best NFL combine guy of all time like he had like all of the measurables off the chart but sometimes just because you are a freak athlete it does not always transfer to the NFL, or at least for a long time, because mm-hmm. Tim Tebow did play in the NFL. He just was not the franchise quarterback that maybe we were hoping that he would be. But, you know, Tim's doing all right for himself. So I guess, you know, he'll be just fine. Poor he'll Tim. Right. Little Tim. Yeah, he'll he'll be all right. All right, let's get to the NBA today. We have some big matchups in the association, and we'll start in Boston. Let's go to the Celtics and the Pacers. We've got Celtics lying seven and a half at home, total of 241 and a half. So this is a pretty big number for the Celtics to lay, but Celtics have been absolutely wagons at home, at least straight up, uh, Mm -hmm. compiling a really good record uh, straight up at home. So Jenks, is there a play you like here? Yeah, I, I like the Pacers here. I think we're going to get Tyrese Halliburton back tonight for Indiana. I believe he's planning on playing. And I know how good the Celtics have been at home, but they've had a they've had a tough stretch where you go Clippers, then you had Pelicans last night. So you're talking about what? 3 games in 4 nights and now you get the Pacers coming into town with Halliburton back and the Pacers like to play at a really high pace. So I can see the Celtics kind of getting a little worn out late. Yeah, and yeah, I like the Pacers here. This is way too many points for a Celtics team. I think is going to be on tired legs and again, you know how Indiana likes to go up and down the floor. They're going to boost from Halliburton. Give me the Pacers. Yeah, I think initially I saw this game and I said, "Okay, Celtics coming off a of back-to-back." Really not a game that I want to lay seven and a half points with, especially with Halliburton possibly coming back. But I will say the Celtics have been pretty solid on back-to-back games this year. They're six and two straight up on no rest this season, including a win over the Pacers back on January the 6th, 118 to 101. But still, I think seven and a half, a little too rich for my blood. I would lean towards the Pacers or maybe not play it at all. All right, next up, let's go to Lakers and the Hawks. We've got Atlanta, five-and-a-half-point favorites, total of 246-and-a-half, 
And that line should definitely tell you something. Obviously, the Lakers coming off a back-to-back does not feel like a spot where you should probably trust the Lakers. But here's the question. Do you ever want to trust a team that's as bad as the Hawks? Because I've done this before. Played the Spurs last night. One of, you know, they have Wimby, but the Spurs are not a good team. And I said to myself, okay, well, the Wizards are bad too. But when they lose, you say, okay, well, this is what bad teams do. They lose games that sometimes they're supposed to win. So, Jenks, would you trust Atlanta in this spot? No. (laughs) Absolutely not. No way. I do... And it's a really high number, but I do like the over here. And LeBron looks like he's going to play. AD looks like he's going to play. And if you look at the trends, the trends are begging you to bet the over. Now, I understand this is a really high number, 246 and a hook, but the Lakers are the best over team on the road this season. They're 16 and 6 to the over. The Hawks are the best or fourth best over team in the league this season. And what do we see a few nights ago? We saw Luka drop 73 on the Hawks. So maybe look at a points prop, but with both of the stars playing for the Lakers, I don't trust the Hawks. I guess I would grab the Lakers here, but I like the over even better because I just don't see any defense being played in this one. And this total continues to go up as well. So we think LeBron and AD are both playing. This line doesn't make sense then, right? LeBron got hit in the face last night. I feel like he's probably I mean, not playing. Surely not. Okay, I'm reading Matt's. Matt is putting up the updates in the chat. So LeBron says he and AD will play, but AD is more uncertain. I don't know. It doesn't make any sense to me. So why wouldn't you grab the Lakers and the points here? Yeah, something's not adding up. Because even if just LeBron is playing, why would the Lakers be getting five and a half points ah, against stinks. the Hawks? Yeah, this Fine. line stinks. Sinks real no bad, sense. and it means no that you probably should not be touching it with a 10-foot pole. That's what that normally means in the NBA. All right, let's go to the Knicks. Uh, the Knicks and the Jazz squaring off. We've got New York minus four and a half, total 232 and a half. Now, the Knicks did play last night without Julius Randle. Jalen Brunson went off. I wish I would have you know, played that one because obviously the attempts that Julius Randle has have to go somewhere. Uh, but the Jazz also playing on a back-to-back as well. Just got absolutely smoked by the Nets and Ben Simmons' epic return to the court. Uh, so, Jenks, the Knicks are normally pretty solid at home. Is that the direction that you're leaning here? Oh, yeah. Give me the Knicks, baby. Give me the Knicks. The Knicks have been good to me. You know how it is sometimes when there's been a team mm-hmm. that you bet on, and I don't bet on the Knicks every night, but in certain spots, the Knicks have just always come home for me, at least more often than not. But I think it's a great spot for them. Utah is one of those teams where at home, they're amazing. They're incredible against the spread. I believe they're the best team in the NBA at home against the number. But when they're on the road, it's different. And and I just don't want to, if you want to play this game, that's fine. But I don't want to get in front of the Knicks right now. They've won six straight. They're four and one in their last five against the number. And they're also 13, seven and one against the number when playing at the garden. So ever since they made that trade to shore up their roster, they've been better defensively. Ananobi has really fit in well with the rest of the guys in that starting lineup. I, I like the Knicks. I think I would lean towards the Knicks too, but you probably need to see if OG, 
Ananabe plays in this game. He is questionable. And again, Julius Randle is going to be out indefinitely. So maybe that's why the line is so short. But I will say this about Utah. Uh, they have been much better as of late, 15-5 and five against the spread mm-hmm. in their last 20 games. But if you look at some of their recent wins, they've been against the Hornets and the Wizards. Not exactly the level of competition mm. that you would expect to see when you are playing in New York. So I would lean towards the Knicks, who have covered in five straight games. Next up, let's go to the Bulls and the Raptors. Oh, yes. Grab your popcorn. I'm not going to uh. lie. These are not two teams that really rile me up, but we've got Chicago six and a half point favorites here. Total of 226 and a half. I believe these two teams played on TNT the other night, and even Charles Barkley was like, this is the game we have. Yay. Uh, Jenks, you got to play here? No. This is why I rarely bet the NBA. <laughs> I, just don't, I, don't, I don't like the card today, honestly, in anything. I'm kind of getting ready for baseball. I, I, I'll bet on the NBA. I finally come around on having some success in the NBA, but I don't like betting it every night. The hockey card is super short tonight. And so I'm just not crazy about any of these picks. Maybe the Knicks is probably my favorite. When it comes to this game, it's a fairly big number. But, man, can you make the case for the Raptors at all? I feel like they've quit. They've lost nine straight. They obviously traded Siakam away. The only real identity they have is whatever Scotty Barnes is going to do night in and night out. Chicago is... Pretty good against the number one playing in Chicago, 13-10-1. So if you think the Bulls can run it up, I think that's the play. But this is just another game. I would lean Bulls. I don't want anything to do with the Raptors right now. But also, considering the Bulls and their lack of success, I think this number is pretty high. A little higher than than it should be that would make me want to bet on it. Yeah, I don't think this one's making the card. I don't know if I, you know, showed how little I care about this game and, you know, the intro, but I don't care. I'm not going to lie. Uh, let's look at the Sixers and the Warriors here. And we do not know if Joel Embiid is going to play. He is questionable. But let's try to consider the scenarios because obviously, you know, okay. we want to kind of at least look at this game because normally I would say this is a game where Joel Embiid wants to prove a point. Haven't we seen mm-hmm. that from Joel Embiid? When he goes against the other stars in the league and the other big teams in the league, if he is, well, some of these games, he's been hurt or you know set out for some of these games. And I think people kind of use that as a knock against him. But I do mm-hmm. feel like if he plays in this game, he will make a point to put up a show against Draymond Green. We know Draymond Green is an excellent defender, but I feel like Joel Embiid could eat his lunch if he wanted to. So um, that's going to be a factor here. The Sixers getting three and a half points. And maybe this line changes when we figure out if Joel Embiid is playing because the Sixers without Joel Embiid, you know, are a different Mm -hmm. squad. Last night, who did they lose to? The Tim or uh, the the Blazers? They lost to somebody bad. Yeah, they lost to the Blazers. (laughs) So also back to back. So that's why you're getting the points with the Sixers. But uh, maybe it's a wait-and-see situation for this one. Is there anything that you think uh, is worth keeping on your radar? Not particularly, but I will say that this number opened with the Warriors laying four and a half, and now, as you mentioned, it's down to three and a half, so we're seeing some Philly money come in. I feel like after a bad loss where 
I mean, that's just ridiculous. I don't care who plays, who doesn't. You don't want to lose the Blazers. I think there's a good chance that the Sixers could be at full strength or closer to it tonight. I might put a sprinkle on the Sixers just as a value play because even when they don't have their stars, they're still a more consistent team. Now, and plus you're still getting three and a half points. I think this could still be a close game. I just don't believe in the Warriors at all based on what we've seen this season. So I might take a chance on the Sixers with the hope that there's some sort of confirmation that Embiid is in the lineup tonight and you get some sort of closing line value. Yeah, and it's a TNT game. So one would hope they put their best Mm -hmm. squad on the court, but sometimes it is not the case. From a viewing perspective, I certainly hope so, that we see the reigning MVP on the court against, you know, a former MVP in Steph Curry. Next up here on the Daily Tip, it's on... To football. Super Bowl futures you should bet now and the ones you should wait till later. That's next on the Daily Tip. Chelsea and Jenks will be right back on the Daily Tip presented by Bet MGM on the BetQL Network. Welcome back to The Daily Tip, presented by BetMGM. With Michael Jenkins and Chelsea Messenger on the BetQL Network. Off and rolling on this Tuesday edition of The Daily Tip. In a few minutes, we will talk some Super Bowl futures. Yes, it's already time to place your bets on the Super Bowl. Some of these better now than later, because some of these lines Mm -hmm. are going to move. As uh, time goes on throughout the week and next week, Joe Public is going to get his bets in, and you best believe that some of these lines, they will be a moving. Jenks, important question. How many bets do you mm. think you'll make on the Super Bowl this year? Maybe not official Ooh. picks, but just personally. I don't know. I'll probably go big on the Super Bowl this year. And I try to be a a disciplined better. I don't want to go crazy just for the sake of, oh, it's a big game. Let me throw down 100 bets here. Let me go Philly mix style. I might have 9, 10 bets on this game. I just want to – I think the, the the one thing that I want to do is, like, I want to have some fun bets, but I want to have some, some bets where I actually handicap. And then I think <clears> more than that, I want to make sure that when you make that many bets, you obviously want to make sure that your bets sort of all make sense, right? Because you can bet so many different markets or whatever it is when it comes to a big game like this. And then all of a sudden you start to contradict yourself a little bit, right? Like you have so many bets, like, yeah, all these things I guess could happen, but they probably don't square if you're looking at game scripts. So I'll probably make nine or 10, but also a lot of those are going to be, you know, the coin flip, what's going to happen at halftime. And then there will probably be, I would say, five or six that are actual on how I think the game will go. Yeah, I do think that I will make multiple same game parlays. I will do one that's like Chiefs centric. You know, if the Chiefs win, do one that's completely centered on everything going right for the Chiefs. And then you do one that's Niner-centric and you do everything going right for the Niners. Uh, But in what markets do you think you should be betting on now as opposed to later? Because, you know, we're early in the week, but some of these lines have already moved. Mm -hmm. Matt just said that Travis Kelsey was 50 to Uh 1 to win MVP on Sunday before the games. Now he's 14 to 1. And I think a lot of that, you know, hinged on the Chiefs winning that game because they were underdogs. 
But are any are any of these markets kind of catching your eye for ones that could be on the move? Well, I do think that, first of all, what you need to do is pick your side. First of all, pick pick your team that you think is going to win this game because clearly that's going to have an effect. I I think that Christian McCaffrey is a good – I think that that market, when you're talking about Super Bowl MVP, I think his number will shorten right now. It's plus 450. I think last week it was 6-1. to one. That's going to continue to shorten. The Kelsey thing to me, I do need to say, is a little ridiculous because you have to believe that if Kelsey – has a monster game like he did against the Ravens. Well, of course, it's going to be Patrick Mahomes throwing to him. And I do think it's different than when Cooper Cup won Super Bowl MVP because Cooper Cup also had like a fork down conversion, had like an end around. So he was, he is just a different type of player. But I think ultimately there's a reason why Mahomes is your favorite at plus 120. But I think McCaffrey is the one that I would watch out for because at some point, if if you think the Niners are going to win, I like him and I like the value with him more than I do Purdy. I do believe McCaffrey's going to get as many touches as they can possibly get him in this game. Yeah, I think McCaffrey's a good look at plus 450. And plus, the Super Bowl MVP is not as much of a quarterback-centric award as the regular season MVP. Because we know regular season MVP normally goes to a quarterback, and that's why Christian McCaffrey was left out in the cold. But here's the conversation that I think needs to be had. Why would you bet on Patrick Mahomes to win the MVP at plus 125 when you can simply get the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl at even money? Like, I know it's a little bit more quote-unquote value if you take Patrick Mahomes, but -hmm. if you just take the Chiefs to win outright, Right. that gives you the whole team of options to win Super Bowl MVP. I think that's an exceptional point. And also, it's all relative, right? Like, are you really going to bank you winning your bet for an extra 20 cents? No, I'm not. Not at all. So I think that's a a great point. If you like the Chiefs, just grab them now at even money and don't worry about, hey, I have to have this one guy. I mean, yes, I understand for the Chiefs to win. Patrick Mahomes will probably be the MVP, but it's certainly not guaranteed. So why not just go with the team you believe is going to win, take a a bit of less value, but not enough of a difference in value where it's worth the risk. Yeah, especially the way that we have seen the Chiefs win games this year. It's not necessarily all about the passing game. And of course, I'm not saying that Patrick Mahomes is not a huge part of what they've done this year. I am just saying this is a more balanced team. Because mm-hmm. when you see somebody like Isaiah Pacheco, 35 to 1 to win Super Bowl MVP, uh, he's had some massive games. Would not shock me if we see, you know, two touchdowns from Isaiah Pacheco in the Super Bowl. And, you know, maybe there's a pathway to him winning the MVP. But yeah, I think Christian McCaffrey is probably the best look for me on the Niners. What is there a path? This is what I usually try to do when it comes to the futures market is kind of mm-hmm. set yourself up on both sides of the coin. So is there a way to get plus money on both sides? Is there a way to, because I do think Christian McCaffrey is a good look. So instead of taking the Niners to win the game, I would take Christian McCaffrey plus 450 to win Super Bowl MVP. Mm -hmm. And then I guess you would need a little bit more than even money to like, you know, hedge a little bit. And then you would just take the Chiefs at even money. But is there any like option on here that lets us kind of play both sides of the ball? 
Oh gosh, I don't know. I'm trying to figure it out. I think the one you mentioned is probably, probably the best way to go, but I don't know if there's an option where you're going to end up, you're going to end up in the black no matter what here, because I feel this is where I feel like the odds have shortened too much, at least if you're talking about MVP, right? And they're only mm-hmm. going to get shorter. So because it's such a popular game to bet on, obviously, I mean, this is the game on the planet to bet on. As soon as these numbers came out, boom, they started to shrink as far as value is concerned when it comes to the the big names involved. So maybe you can pull it off. But if you're going to do it, you're talking about maybe scraping a profit. Yeah, I think maybe that is a tough way to hedge your bets. How about touchdown scores? I feel like this is a market that's only going to get shorter because people love their anytime touchdown bets. So let's go down the list over at BetMGM. Christian McCaffrey, I was almost surprised to see this. Minus mm-hmm. 200. This is actually a cheaper price than what we've been offered for the last few weeks. He was minus 300 last week. So let's start with this. Value is <laughs> always relative. But at minus 200, is this worth playing? Christian McCaffrey has been inevitable in the end zone. I mean, it might be. Let me put it to you this way. If you want to, it's it's pricey. But actually for this game and for as good as he's been, I don't mind it. The sabotage factor is the Chiefs are pretty good at stopping a run, as we saw last week, although the Ravens sort of you know, shot themselves in the foot because they refused to run the ball in the first place. I do think this, though, is that if you're the Niners and you believe that San Francisco can win this game, can you foresee a situation where the Niners win without Christian McCaffrey scoring? Because I don't see that happening. And even if they lose, I feel like he's got to get into the end zone some way, somehow. So, yeah, I wouldn't mind a small bet on it. I would also say people love parlays. You know how it goes, especially in the Super Bowl. And I'm not advocating for a 6-7 like parlay. However, if you're looking for a smaller parlay, maybe you include Christian McCaffrey as an anytime touchdown score as part of that. I just hate playing touchdown score bets at minus money because the sabotage factor has nothing to do with the athlete. And nothing to do with the matchup. It is simply, mm-hmm. okay, Christian McCaffrey has, you know, a 47-yard mm-hmm. run, and he stopped at, like, you know, the five, and then they mm-hmm. happen to throw it into the end zone. You know, George Kittle or somebody takes away that touchdown. Or, hell, Brock Purdy, you know, scrambles in the end zone himself. We have seen him be pretty shifty with his legs, uh, at least last week we did, um, against the Lions. So that is the sabotage factor. That's why I don't really like taking, you know, big minus money on touchdown score bets. But what about some of these other ones? Like I just said, I don't like, you know, minus money, but Isaiah Pacheco feels like a solid play at minus 135. He is the guy that's usually taking those goal line snaps. And it feels like him and him alone for the running backs of Kansas City. Travis Kelsey, minus 110. You've got Rasheed Rice, plus 105. Debo Samuel, plus 125. Ayuk, plus 155. And Kittle at that price as well. Do any of these interest you, Jinx? You know who interests me? Patrick Mahomes, anytime touchdown at 4-1. to one. Just because we saw in critical moments – against the Ravens. Now, obviously, there's some risk involved. That's why it's 4-1. But 
We saw that against the Ravens in critical spots where Mahomes would take off. Now he didn't score. But also, what we've seen from the Niners' defense over the past couple of weeks is that you can run on them. And now all of that is relative because they're still one of the one of the best overall defenses in the National Football League. But I can also foresee a situation where it's near the goal line or it's a first and goal from the four and there's some sort of designed run where Mahomes fakes the handoff and then bounces outside and runs in. I can see something like that or if coverage breaks down and you know maybe he decides to run it instead of throw it. I can just see a situation where Mahomes takes off and gets into the end zone, and I'll take that at 4-1 to one if you're looking for value. I do think Pacheco is a much, much better call. That's why he's minus 135. But as a value play, Patrick Mahomes, can, we know he is fleet of foot, and I like I do like the value there. Yeah, on the similar wavelength, you see Brock Purdy at plus 750 to run it himself. Obviously, it is a long price for a reason, but it's within the realm of possibility. I was almost surprised to see how short the numbers were for a defense or special teams touchdown. For San Francisco, it's plus 650. For Kansas City, it's plus 750. I feel like those numbers are kind of short. You think they're kind of, you know, thinking one of these defenses has a big moment? Yeah, that seems... Well, I'll say this. These are two fantastic defenses. We know that. This is not a this is not news to anybody. But I think that one thing that was surprising to me is watching the Chiefs last week. And again, the Ravens did a lot of this to themselves, but the Chiefs are really good, really good. And you can make an argument that they're better than the Niners in a couple of areas. So I don't think it's crazy to think there could be one bad play where a defensive player or the defense makes a play in this game just because as good as we always focus on the quarterbacks, I get that. They're going to get all the spotlight, but we are dealing with two exceptional defenses here. So I'm surprised, but once I take a step back and look at it, well, maybe I shouldn't be. Yeah, maybe not, but it's not something that I think I will be putting my money on. Mm -hmm. So, Jenks, let's pick a couple because, you know, hopefully there's more than two touchdowns in this game. And I think that goes Mm -hmm. kind of into the handicap as well, is how many points do you think are being scored in the Super Bowl? I tend to think that it's not going to be super low scoring just because Mm -hmm. both of these offenses are pretty solid. And we see a total of 47 and a half. That's pretty healthy. Uh, So let's pick a couple touchdown scores. I think for me, I'll go Travis Kelsey minus 110. And mm-hmm. should I do two on the same side? Like, that doesn't seem super smart. How about my you guy, Debo Samuel? Plus 175. There you go. I'll do that. Yeah, Debo plus 175. That's your guy. You're locked in. You got to yeah. pick Debo. I'll stick with my Mahomes bet just as a, as a value play that maybe he runs one in. Otherwise, if I'm looking at the other side, oh, do I want to do McCaffrey? That's so, so obvious there. So obvious. What about a guy we haven't mentioned? What about George Kittle at plus 155? So I don't know if he has some ah, – that Chiefs secondary is so very good. I think, honestly, if you're choosing a Niners receiver and you can go between Ayuk and Kittle, I think I would go Ayuk. They're the same odds, anytime touchdown, plus 155. So I've talked myself out of it. I would go with Brandon Ayuk. I feel like he probably would have a little bit more success than Kittle perhaps against that Chiefs secondary. 
Yeah, I think it's just a matter of, you know, who gets the ball in the end zone. And that's why these yeah. touchdown bets can be kind of risky. They're fun. Mm-hmm. And I think it feels great when, you know, this is what you're celebrating. But so this is why I don't normally go into the touchdown scorer market all that frequently. Even though we didn't elaborate too much on Travis Kelsey, doesn't he feel like the security blanket for Patrick Mahomes? It feels like, you know, Brady and yes. Gronk. Gronk's the guy in the end zone that Brady was always looking for. Travis Kelsey now looking like mm-hmm. his old self. Travis Kelsey, anytime touchdown, minus 110. Come on. You just have to take it, right? Just on value alone. You don't think they're going to hook up at least once? And you can say, and I've said it too, well, the Niners could focus on Travis Kelsey, but doesn't everyone focus on Travis Kelsey just like everyone used to focus on Gronk? And it just didn't matter because... He's one of the best to ever play the game at that position who is able to get open in zone coverage or in space. So, yeah, I love it. Yeah, and he has some of the best postseason numbers of any tight end and quarterback combo of all time. So, like that one as well. Coming back from the break, what's next for Bill Belichick? Is he no longer going to be coaching? We'll see next on the Nilly Tip. Chelsea and Jenks will be right back on the Daily Tip presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. Let's get back to the Daily Tip with Chelsea Messenger and Michael Jenkins presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. All right, hour two continuing on. Here on the Daily Tip as I remove the cough drop from my mouth. If you can listen to my voice, you can probably tell I'm a little under the weather. But, Jenks, I will say this. The Mm -hmm. cough drop selection has improved greatly as of late. Like, this was creamy strawberry. And it reminded me of cream savers. Do you remember cream savers? I used to get them in my mom's purse when we were at church. Like, Mom, I need some candy. I'm bored. This sermon's taking forever. But cream were those the ones good? Were they had? Were those the ones that had like the swirl on -hmm. top? Like that's what they looked like. They were the swirls, like they were regular candy, but then they had like the cream mixed in, so it had kind of this pinwheel look to them. Is that right? Yeah, and they were delicious. They had the strawberry kind. They had the orange kind. And this is like my fondest memory of church, which is probably not the point of going to church. But me and my brother would fight over, like, the better flavors of cream savers. Mm. Were you somebody who ate hard candy? Feels like hard candy is not really a thing anymore. Like, it used to be so popular. Like, is it still popular with kids? Like, maybe I'm just not the demographic for it. But, you know, there was cream savers. There were were Werther Originals. Mm -hmm. They were, there were, like, just the normal lifesavers that came in the tube. Hard candy. Do people still eat this? I don't know. I want to be the old guy that hands out the Werther's Originals. I used to eat Brock's all the time. When I worked at a supermarket when I was in high school before I started working in radio, and we just had a massive Brock's display. You know what I'm talking about? Where you go get butterscotch, you go get peppermint, maybe get some caramels. You would just load up and just have a bag of candy, and then they'd weigh the candy, and then you'd take it. And Hmm. I can't remember the last time I ever saw that. Now, what happens? The kids, they just start vaping. Oh, God. Do you want a cream saver? No, but do you have that flavor in vape? Have you seen some of the vape flavors? 
Some of the vape flavors, I'm not going to lie, sound delicious. I wonder if they it are. actually measures. Have you tried them? Yes. Well, I don't, I don't vape. Yes, they're delicious. My friend Molly and I do not vape. I vape once in a, I don't have a, a tobacco vape, but they come in all sorts of different flavors. And my friend Molly, every now and then would say, hey, let's go outside and just vape. And I'd say, okay, like, whatever. I'll take a couple hits. And I'm telling you one thing, they they come in, I mean, she would go and buy just the most, it could be watermelon, it could be cherry, it could be things you can't even imagine. And it tasted really good. And I'm like, wow, you're getting a buzz because of the nicotine and they taste really good. So I understand why people get really into those. So yeah, <laughs> Double D said, we got together, Double D had a vape, I took a couple hits off his, I remember doing that now. So it's not something I go out and buy on my own or do on a regular basis, but I've done it before and yeah, they can be really good. Okay, stupid question. What's the difference between mm -hmm. vapes and cigarettes? It's the, you're vaping liquid as opposed to actual, well, not flour, that's weed, but actual tobacco bits, right? So it's, mm -hmm. it's just in a different form. So it's technically smoother I mean, in theory, because you're not burning. I mean, you are burning it, but it's a liquid as opposed to the actual bits of the flour. Okay. So is there any difference in like the health of it? Because I'm not going to lie. Smoking a cigarette looks way cooler mm -hmm. than smoking a vape. I've never <laughs> seen somebody smoke a vape and be like, man, that's one cool cat. I'm like, oh <laughs> God. You know, he's got to get back to his, you know, shift at Spencer's before it yes. breaks up. I don't know. It just doesn't look as cool. Is there any difference? Is vaping healthier? I I think the theory behind it, they're both not great for you. So let's just put that out there. It's not like, oh, the, the health benefits are amazing. But I think in theory, the idea is that a vape is cleaner, right? Because it's been processed. And so then you can make the argument, well, if it's processed, that's not good. But it also depends how that liquid is processed. So sometimes mm -hmm. it's done with chemicals. Sometimes it's more flour-based. It depends on how the liquid is, is processed to get to that point. And also that's when you get to the conversation where, okay, well, if you're mass producing something, how healthy can it really be even if you're processing it in a different way? Do you know what I mean? Oh, my God. Matt just put this in the chat. One Juul pot is between 13 and 30 cigarettes. Criminy. Good God. Whoa. Oh my goodness here i thought <laughs> no like thanks. the younger generation generation was like doing something like a tinge healthier because i was like okay maybe mm. these are cleaner uh i was proven huh. wrong uh but speaking of generational changes it does feel like that is the case in the world of nfl head coaching it feels like these days we are seeing younger newer um you know guys who are into these new type of offenses and we're seeing less of the I don't want to say like the old ball coach because you think of Steve Spurrier but mm -hmm. the head coach that is hard nose that is the disciplinarian and somebody who is always wanting his way where whereas it's the you know the guys on the field or the front office decisions and I think that goes hand in hand with why we're not seeing Bill Belichick in a head coaching role Maybe it mm -hmm. could be something that's completely different from that. It's just maybe it's not the right right opportunity. Maybe it's not the right fit. But Jinx, do you see? Do you think we see more of this? The fact that we are seeing head coaches that are younger, like Sean McVay, perfect example. 
And I feel like from Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan, it has all gone downhill from there where we see Mm -hmm. these young, like genius guys come into the NFL. And that feels like that's the new norm. I think it is. And I think the NFL is skewing a little bit younger because guys are learning about the game in more advanced ways. And also think this maybe has something to do with analytics and there's Mm -hmm. a different way to go about processing the game. And, and then I think we'll see whether or not guys like a Kyle Shannon, Sean McVay, these guys you're talking about, as time goes on, like how much power are they given within an organization? To me, that's what's so interesting about Belichick because rarely mm-hmm. are guys given so much power and so much authority early on. But once they prove themselves, it's, wow, this guy's great at, at evaluating talent. He's great at managing rosters. He's great at being a head coach. So why not give this guy more power to craft this team in his image or how he thinks it should be put together? But it doesn't happen initially. That is something that takes time. But maybe it is going to be something we see less of because coaches are getting younger. Right. And I'm wondering where we see Bill Belichick next, because I think that's everybody's biggest question, because I think initially we thought, okay, he's going to be the hottest name out there other than probably Jim Harbaugh, who, you know, is going to the Chargers. But now it feels like the market has settled and it feels like he's not going to be going anywhere, at least this season. Do you think we'll see Bill Belichick in TV? I think so. I, I don't know. I think he would be fantastic on television. Fantastic. Because there is a difference between being asked questions by the media, the same questions again and again, or maybe having to reveal things that you don't feel comfortable revealing in front of the media and just storytelling. And if you're Bill Belichick, it's one thing to break down X's and O's. And certainly he could do that, particularly when his team is not involved. But I would imagine the historical perspective that he has is something that few people in the game could match. I mean, he is sort of known as a historian of the game. And that's one thing that I think is missing a little bit. I'm not saying we have six or seven minutes of Bill Belichick story time, but for him to lend his stories and things he has experienced as the game has evolved, I think would be something that we rarely see. And so if he's willing to do it, and I think he might only because I think he wants to be involved with the game and football guys are football guys. Now, would he be comfortable in front of the camera? I don't know. That's a big question. I think that's the the real thing you have to weigh here. He probably doesn't necessarily care for the camera, but he loves the game so much. Wouldn't he want to be involved, even if it's just for a year, telling stories or breaking down some plays? Uh, Yeah, I think that's especially a good point. And this year, we saw him dip his toe into the waters of TV on, Mm -hmm. you know, an optional standpoint. Because normally it's like he has to do TV for his job. He has to interact with uh, reporters. But he willingly went on college game day. And I know a lot of it had to do with, you know, his ties to Lee Corso and his ties to Navy football. But it looks like he was having a great time. And maybe Mm -hmm. that was him kind of testing the waters because in any other year, you know, when the Patriots were having a great season, I don't think he would have done this. And it does feel Mm -hmm. like he is softened over time to where, you know, he's talking about Taylor Swift in his interviews. Uh, People are asking about his New Year's resolutions. And it's a fun parallel between him and Nick Saban. 
how Nick Saban kind of showed some signs yeah. of softening over the years as well. And I just saw a video that his, I think his daughter posted of him surfing. I'm like, what is this? <laughs> What world are we living in? Nick Saban surfing? This is not a world I want to partake in. But I did see somebody float an idea that I thought was interesting. You know how they have the Manning cast with the Manning brothers? They do the coach cast with Nick Saban and Bill Belichick. Oh, that's a great idea. I would love to see that. I wonder if they would be up to doing something like that. It would be different. Wouldn't you tune into that? I would be all yeah. over listening to those two guys. It would just be, it wouldn't be as fast paced. I think it'd be more slow moving, but man, the stories with these guys also, also like hearing them maybe bag on a player from time to time. I'm not for demeaning anyone, but I also think a coaches coaches have ways of putting things in perspective or I guess massaging messages. Do you know what I mean? And I think mm-hmm. saying, well, here's something about this player, and maybe it's not the kindest thing, but they're saying it in a way. It's coach speak, right, where you're just saying, yeah, here's maybe why this guy didn't turn out to be the guy we thought he was going to be. Even though would they do college or NFL? I guess they could Mm. do both. You know, both of them have, uh, you know, pedigree in both, but I think the main problem would be they would be fine with, like, you know, 30 seconds of silence. That's the only thing I would think is, like, we're just going to sit here. And they're like, guys, you're on TV. You got to say something. Like, huh? What? Oh. It, Wouldn't that they, be the only downfall? Yeah, they just throw up a graphic that, that would say, like, us time. And they just sit there for 30 seconds and just be quiet. And then they talk when they ever, whenever they felt like it. But it would be appointment TV. Because the inside mm. between those two coaches, off the charts. Off the charts. Would watch 10 out of 10. All right, coming up, Hour 3 of the Daily Tip, our first look at the Super Bowl. That's next. For more, listen to the Daily Tip presented by BetMGM. Weekday mornings from 6 to 9 Eastern on the BetQL Network, the Odyssey app, or wherever you get your podcasts.